Episode 49 of Friday Night Counter Attack. We're back again. Um, yeah, nearly at 50 episodes. This is crazy. So this is part one of, of the podcast that we'll be doing today. So I thought I'd record earlier in the day with um, Ollie, who's been on the podcast a few times before. But this time is probably going to be going to be one of your favourite times, I'd say, Ollie, after getting the <laughs> How you been and how you finding this new appointment of Antonio Conte? Loving the background, yeah. by the way. Yeah, man, got to, got to change the background to the man himself. Um, buzzing, man, like uh, as every Spurs fan, just so happy to finally have Spurs like looking towards the future rather than kind of declining for the last three years. It's just been declined. And then finally, there's something to cheer about, man. <laughs> finally, something to cheer about. Yeah, there's a lot um, we're going to be talking about Antonio Conte today, and it's going to be fun to see how he actually sets up Tottenham Hotspur as well. But for me yeah, as a Man United fan, I was someone who was, I was like, it doesn't matter if he doesn't play the Man United way. He would have played a proper style of football that we could have actually built on for the next couple of years and actually developed into a proper winning titles type squad. That's how I see it. But for Tottenham, how do you kind of see it? Do you reckon he can get you a, a conference league or get you an FA Cup in this first season that is in? Look, man, the, the rubbish we've been watching for the last two, three years is just like, I'll take like any change from anyone that knows what they're doing. And Nuno came in and just nothing changed. It was just the same as Mourinho, if if not worse. And like I'm just open to a change. Like we've been seeing the same thing for a while now. So like to have three at the back, three three uh, centre backs, just anything more attacking width. It would just it'd just be great, man. I'm just absolutely buzzing to have some change at the club after so long. No, in in a way, I'm happy for you because again, you're going to be competing again. And it was only a couple of years ago you were in the Champions League final as well, so you actually did some something that Man United has hasn't seen for the last what ten years, 2011 last time. I've seen my yeah, team but... in the Champions League final, so nicely done there with Antonio Conte. And this is what I really wanted to begin the podcast really about because I, as I'm looking at it now, um, I've got my second screen up that I'm going to share with you, and the listeners will probably just hear us talking about tactics, but. We'll pop this on YouTube um, for the time being. But this is how I kind of feel like Antonio Conte could set up with this um, with the Tottenham side. It's my first impressions if everyone's kind of fit and ready to okay. go. Um, so let's start from the back. Hugo Lloris isn't really going to change anytime soon. So that's how I see it. Then we've got Romero, Diane, Ben Davies as a third centre-back. He's played as a centre-back previously under Jose Mourinho and previous management. But I feel like this could be a re-emergence of Ben Davies and... To be fair, he's not someone that I have high hopes for to be a much better player than he is now. But Antonio Conte has that um, has that in him to improve players who have kind of stagnated in their careers or not really going anywhere. The likes of Victor Moses, Marcus Alonso, reinventing Azpilicueta as a, as a third centre-back, who now does the job really well for Antonio Conte. Um, and you've got the freedom of Regulon on the wing-backs and Emerson on the wing-backs as well. Matt Doherty is obviously someone who played really well as a right wing back for Nuno Espirito Santo. But I think Emerson will be the first choice here. Now, this is where it can be a bit more fluid and a bit more flexible. But this is someone I want to talk about because I've I've kind of seen him over the years. And I feel like he's someone that I believe could do a lot better than he actually has. And that's Deli Ali. So Ali <laughs> it's funny you. this guy still gets talked about now. <laughs> for me, I think he should have done what Jesse Lingard did and gone for a loan this season, gone somewhere else and get his form going up somewhere, um, somewhere along the lines of like a Southampton or somewhere where he can actually play some good football and change his position oh, in a way, but actually get a bit. Totally agree, man. It would have been good for him, but 
Um, will he be someone that Antonio Conte will start? I think perhaps. I think if you should look at how he played um, Nicola Barella last season as well for Inter Milan, mm. and he really did really well for Inter Milan and for Italy in the Euro yeah. as well as that third, that third midfielder keeping Christian Eriksen, former Spurs side, um, <laughs> former Spurs player out of the side as well. And then you've got your Holberg, who's like their Brozovic, who they had in their holding midfield as well. And then this could be quite flexible as well. It could be an Undombele, it could be an Oliver Skip, um, Lo Celso even if he wants to go a bit more attacking, but the the flexibility is there. And the flexibility could also be as a front three perhaps with Antonio Conte when he's got the likes of a, a big target man like a Diego Costa, like a Lukaku, and then play someone on the wing as well. So it could easily be something like a free uh four three we've got lucas on the wing got kane up front you got son on the left but then again you could also go somewhere in the middle and have two up top behind uh behind a number 10 no in front of a number 10 sorry i should say but what are your first kind of thoughts on how do you think conte would set up with his team do you like it do you reckon he could do anything yeah man like i'm excited just looking at this uh, formation um i actually i don't know about the source don't know how reliable it is, but I did see that apparently he organised a 11-a-side game today. Yeah. So I uh, had both uh, both teams playing with the three at the back formation. So it's looking, yeah, promising that this will be it. And uh, I don't know, like, many Spurs fans will agree with me that Davies is finished. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, Conte, he can revive people's careers, but just when you see him on the team sheet, you just go, ah. Oh. Come on, so. for but me, that's, that's another thing about Conte which I quite like because even for uh, Matteo Damian at Inter Milan, his career he came on loan from Parma to be another player for Inter Milan. He ended up getting a really good season last season. Him, Ashley Young, um, yeah, yeah. had a decent season besides a couple of manic moments in the Champions League. But I think it's, it's that man management from Conte. You can actually get players up and running, and I think that's something that. He'll do definitely really well with the defensive side. It's more the attacking side that I think he'll have um, problems with because Nuno had problems with that this season as well. We've seen Harry Kane in his worst form ever in his Spurs shirt. Yeah. And realistically speaking, everything kind of goes through Harry Kane in that attack as well, being oh, the guy yeah. that drops off and being the guy that comes into play. But I think with Antonio Conte, he'll keep him in that 18-yard box. He'll want him to be that number nine, that proper number nine who actually can get through yeah, yeah. the last man, beat someone in the air. Because he's mentioned that in the past. He's mentioning that in the Euro. Oh, yeah, well. I saw that, that quote, yeah, that he would, he would let him out of the box <laughs> yeah. if, he was the, if he was his player. And, uh, yeah, and especially if you're releasing Regulon and Emerson, because neither of them are terrific at defending. So, But they look great bombing forward. Maybe not so much Emerson. I haven't seen it yet, but Regulon looks fantastic going forward. And uh, I really want to see him yeah, be able to just kind of express himself down that left-hand side, getting the balls in, get Son more central because he's he's looked like a lost man like this season. Keep yeah, keep Kane from drifting. Like I think he he can do it when he wants, but when he's just drifting the whole game, it's just it's just terrible, you know. Like what we've been watching the last few months. Yeah, I, I want to see Lucas in, involved as well. Still, he's been quality. So be good to see what happens, man. Now before we I move want on to anything. I mean, yeah. uh, Tangana. Maybe Tangana. he might get a chance being being a uh, being on the back. Tanga, Tanganga, Tanganga, Tang, Tangi, Tanga. Do you reckon you could have him <laughs> yeah. as a third centre back here, or do you reckon it could be somewhere where he's like a, a right wing back? I think you'd be decent as a third centre back. 
People said no, it's a position yeah. not to do, not to. Not that, that, that was his like academy position, like a, a right centre back. Yeah. Um, I'd rather him than Davies, and yeah, but um, <laughs> but he's a bit of a liability being so young. Yeah, uh, you, you kind of need that. They need a bit of youth and exuberance in this team, freshen it up a bit, show a bit of maybe, yeah, maybe even Sanchez might might be able to get involved more if he's uh, got maybe some, some some other players to guide him and help him. But we definitely still need to get a new centre back in. But obviously, you've got to wait wait a while. I reckon Antonio Conte will look back to Serie A to see if he can get any of his um, uh, Inter Milan players into this. Definitely would be a great signing. Screenyard would be an amazing signing if they got him in. Um, but realistically speaking, I think this looks quite quite fascinating to see how the Spurs side could end up doing. And someone from the outside looking in, it's, it's a decent looking setup and it's somewhere where I believe that Spurs can actually push forward this season as well because they can only push forward from what they've had previously. And it's no fault of Nuno Espirito Santo. I want to get that on air for my personal feelings because I think that Nuno was like a third, fourth choice manager that Daniel Levy had to get because he had no manager. And from that's what it looks like from, from what we've seen before about how he wanted Ten Hag, he wanted Conte originally. Um, there's one or two other managers he was looking at. But realistically speaking, it was just someone who, he said at the end of last season, oh, I'm ready for a little break. I'm ready to have a, um, to come back fresh for another for another job. But he came into that Spurs job because he was offered it. And he, no one was going to take down the Spurs job when you got Harry Kane's son, uh, Lucas Moura in that team as well. And it's just the fact that it just didn't work out for him. So for me, I'm quite sad to see Nuno Espirito Santo not not do well at Spurs. But no, it's yeah, I'm guy, about it, to be fair. He's one of the nice guys in management, but it, it seems that's like it, one man. of those things that you want to just be guy. a bit better. But that's how it is. Um, let's just talk okay. about how you would set up this team, Ollie. Do you reckon it could be anything different than what we've had a look at? Or do you reckon you'd bring in another, another couple of players? You mentioned Sanchez. Ali may be coming in, Skip may be coming in. Do you reckon anything yeah. different happen there? I'll be good to see um Yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see Delhi be given a chance again because like every manager has come in has given him that chance. Mm. And uh, he, he hasn't been able to take it. So it's literally like last chance for him. But um I actually heard today, obviously, in my excitement, I've just been watching like Spurs TV all day. <laughs> so um I've heard some some things about Heiberg, maybe one that's getting shipped out. Just oh, really? Because people are saying that maybe he doesn't fit the mould. I, I really hope not, because he's, he's one of our best players uh, in the current formation. But if he got, comes and brings in someone like Kessie, then, you know, I'm not complaining. Also, you do worry about Skip, because uh, obviously he's he's trying to he's trying to win. You know, he's not trying to develop, is he? No. The guy doesn't care about Skip's development. If Skip's up to the job, he's in the team. But if not, then you know it could be a bit of a shame to see what happens to the younger players. But um, no, I like that man. I I, I wouldn't mind another striker. I did hear he, we're linked with a fella from Serie A. I'll butcher his name. So. <laughs> Which one was it from Florentina? Yeah, yeah. Vlahovic. Oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, he's, he's a decent striker. He's, he's left-footed, proper target man. Is is nimble with his feet as well. He scored at the weekend. He's a, he's a really good player. And yeah. it's one of those that if people play FIFA and they go to career mode and they want to buy someone who's young, go and get this guy. <laughs> yeah, 
It's like 2013. Potential 90. <laughs> Potential 90, exactly. Really good on football manager as well. But no, nah, it's really good to watch. And it's like with Chiesa, who's on loan from uh, Fiorentina to Juventus, another great player from Fiorentina who um, yeah. would probably want to sell and, and get some money in for him, which would be really good. Having a left footed striker and a right footed striker together would be fantastic. And no one really knows Conte. Uh, no, 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 no one really knows Syria as much as Antonio Conte. So he'll be looking back to Italy to get a couple of players in January, which could work. That's it, man. And either way, the squad needs depth, especially like up front. We've got Kane or Dane Scarlett, who's what, 16, 17. So. Yeah, and Parrot's on loan, isn't he? Um, Parrot's out, yeah. He's on loan, which is, which is the case. Um, but yeah, that's the end of the, yeah. with the Spurs the chat. But I'm looking forward to see how Spurs do. I'm looking forward to see how Antonio Conte does. I wonder how Chelsea fans are feeling, because with Chelsea, he won the league with them, he won the FA Cup with them in those two seasons that he was there. Uh, last winner. time they won the, won the league, wasn't it, with uh, Conte? Yeah, the last time they won the league title was in 2017. Last time they won the FA Cup was with Antonio Conte in 2018 as well. So they've got quite a lot to kind of go through as well. Man, but, I'm, I'm more interested about how my, you as a Man U fan are feeling, see, seeing as if you had lost to us, he could have been your guy. <laughs> that's kind I think of he probably preferred you. I mean, you got you got a better team. Better, better strength and depth. And and there were so many Man United fans about that were kind of just talking about, oh, yeah, he could bring out the emergence of like Dallo and Tellez as wing-backs and Van der Beek as an attacking midfielder in the free, um, having Ronaldo and Rashford up front. But then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ended up playing a 3-5-2 anyway these last two games. <laughs> he's changed the tactic, he's changed the formation, he's leaving a lot of attacking players out of the game. But you're kind of looking at it thinking... Is this going to last? Could you could he do that against Manchester City on the weekend? Maybe, maybe not. Um, we've beaten Man City before with a three-five-two or a five-three-two, however you want to word it or look at it. Um, that's kind of that's kind of it. I'm not really confident in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as much as I want to want to be. I probably yeah. made my feelings known on the last podcast. So a couple of podcasts when you were on, I was kind of thinking this could be the end against Liverpool and Liverpool battered us. We didn't do very well. Um, we don't play that well. Personally, we do rely on individual brilliance. Like a lot of teams, to be fair, they do rely oh. on individual brilliance a lot, but there's no proper... Oh, she's <laughs> it's amazing. No, uh, Ronaldo felt like. It's really good. I saw, yeah. I had I saw Ronaldo had a 50% involved, uh, like he scored or assisted or something, 50% mm. of your goals. And these yeah. are, well, he saved you against Atlanta. Yes, he's two goals. Eric Bailly played fantastic yesterday as well in the Champions League. But when you're looking at it, thinking it's kind of like that season when Aubameyang kind of held Arsenal together or when Harry Kane mm. held uh, Tottenham together. And you're kind of looking at it thinking, like, literally, it could take one injury. It could take one really good defence to suss out this uh, Man United attack. And we don't get anywhere. We don't move forward. Because I don't think even the players look very confident in their way of playing, in the way of defending, in their way of actually pressing for the ball. So, um, realistically speaking, I'm not quite I'm not quite comfortable talking about how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can take this team forward because I don't think he can take it anywhere forward, any any more forward than he can do. Actually, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do feel if I was a Manu fan, I'd be looking at this appointment, thinking, can't believe it. <laughs> Lack of ambition. Uh, no, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, and I can't believe I can't believe they uh, took content to even come into Spurs. To be honest. It's all uh, Don Paratici, I guess. Mm. But, um, yeah, even Arsenal fans, I wonder how they're feeling. I, I, I know personally a couple are sweating a bit, but 
you know, I'd, maybe like Manu and Arsenal might be better in the long term with, with stable managers because Conte is only going to come in for 18 months. But maybe maybe an extra year on that. And that yeah, that's all you're looking at, really. He's never going to be that guy who stays. But, but then would you take short-term success over long-term building when you've seen long... Like for me, I've seen long-term building for, what, three years now? We're going to social. We haven't built yeah. anywhere towards the We'll see, bro. Yeah. has won an FA Cup and then he's lost half the fan base as well. Um, he spent a lot of money. Some of their plays look very good. Ben White, Ramsdale had a really good save against um, Leicester on the weekend as well. Uh, yeah. Tony, their right back looks pretty good. But it's just about how they can actually grow forward and get into better positions as well. We'll see how yeah. that I guess, yeah, it's just modern day football. I guess these days, I think it's got, you've got to take the success, short-term success over, over watching your team struggle and build. And hopefully, yeah, Conte is going to bring something in because the fans need it. <laughs> the fans need it so bad. Yeah, definitely. No, I can agree completely. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next topic of conversation. This is something that, um, I wanted to chat about because we had a Instagram poll uh, last week. I think it was about the academies in, in, in the United Kingdom. Just about who do you reckon has the best academy in the United Kingdom? Because Chelsea... Um, as we're kind of seeing at the moment, a lot of their younger players are coming through, starting in this first team under Thomas Tuchel, really thriving. Even some of their fringe players are getting a lot of game time as well. Like Loftus-Cheek is getting a couple of game times. Trevor Chalaba is starting the season very well in, in the couple of games that he's played. But I just wanted to have a little um, discussion with you, Oliver, just about how do you reckon um, some of these academies are doing so far and how they've kind of adapted over the last 10, 15 years. Because when we were... Um, at school and when we were talking about football in the playground every now and then we'd get really happy over like a couple of academy players coming through but now it's seen just as normal do you reckon it could have been that factor in 2010 where England lost to Germany and a lot of the the young German players actually dismantled a lot of these amazing amazingly talented Premier League England players as well because that's how I see it I think our academy ch- uh, changed quite a lot with the whole um, situation it's called E Triple P so it's elite okay. performance pathway, player performance pathway type of thing. But I just wanted to know if, like your general thoughts on how you think academies have changed over the last 10 years or so and how do you reckon England can actually benefit from this? Okay. Well, that's not something I actually know about. Did you mind just telling me a, a little bit more about that? EPP? Yeah, so the EPPP is basically just about how um, there's different categories of like uh, academies across the football league. So like some of them will be really good academies. So it teaches them how to play football from like under nines all the way up to um, under 18, so like the reserve levels. Some of them will start from under 11. Some of them will start from under 13s and under 15s, which is quite fascinating because this is the way that a lot of clubs are actually um, developing their talent now, which is really good to see. It's really fantastic to see. And on the um, FA website, on the Premier League website, there's that picture of Phil Foden and Reese James um, as in like academy football. And then you have a picture next to them, which is Reese James and Phil Foden in the Champions League final, which kind of shows oh, the yeah. benefits <laughs> of actually having um, academy players play for such a long time. And this is kind of what I'm doing at university at the moment, but I found it quite fascinating. It was quite nice to have a couple of conversations with people on Instagram about whose academies you think is best and how do you think they've developed. But on, in like layman's terms, when you look at how like Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood have come through, Scott McTominay, they're in the starting lineup every other week, which is really good to see. Spurs have got Tanganga, Oliver Skip, who've come through the academy. Dane Scarlett as well, coming through at a young age. But 
the way I kind of see it is there's a lot of these young players that we're seeing quite frequently um, coming through the academies, which are really good and uh, into the reserves and into the first team. Uh, Smith Rowe, uh, yeah. Saka especially as well at Arsenal. And Chelsea, they have so, so many to kind of mention. Mount, Chalaba, Loftus-Cheek, uh, Rhys James, Tomori and Abraham went to Italy as well, which is brilliant. Yeah, no, it was it was dry. It was dry. Like when we were younger, like mm. school days, ten years ago. I can't really think of anyone coming up. Like the fact that we had we had Harry Kane, and uh, and Winks. I mean, they came up, and that that was pretty great to see because it, it it was so rare that that happened. But yeah, we, these when days we, yeah. when we were growing up, it was like Jack Wilshere was the next big thing. <laughs> but yeah, that's all, because Jack Wilshere was named as like the next promising star of England and that's it man yeah, I remember that guy came through for Manu as well is it Makeda the Italian he scored like on his debut yeah Makeda and Welbeck like... came through <laughs> in that same season and everyone was like oh yeah Danny Welbeck's going to do well um, for England in the future Daniel Sturridge as well yeah um, but no it, it was always a big problem back back then you know mm. getting the young players through especially like just the whole like culture of the clubs always looking abroad, not really trusting the academies. I don't I don't know enough about it to say what was what was the the reason for the academies not being able to produce. No, that's fine. exciting, um, man. Yeah, that's all it's I exciting want to now. Like a general opinion just about how you kind of feel about it because it's a lot better as not just English fans, but you see a lot more talent coming through from your own clubs as well. And even now, like for Spurs, is there anyone that you can kind of really think and think? you know what, they may not have got an opportunity if they didn't come through the academy this way or they may have splashed out on 30 million to get someone in that same position. Because for Man United, yeah. it's always been a thing to bring through the academy. But especially when you look at Arsenal, for an example, before I get back to the Spurs thing, Arsenal, when they got rid of Meza Ozil, they could have easily spent um, 60 million on another attacking midfielder. But they went for 30 million on Odegaard and then uh, Smith Rowe through the academy. And they just developed it from there. So two players for the same position, which is really good and really promising. But how do you kind of see the Spurs Academy coming through? Do you reckon there's going to be any any cool players coming through that you reckon can break into the Spurs side? Yeah, well, as I said like, about Harry Kane, like it was it was great to see it happen mm. uh, all that time ago. And it's, it's, it gives the, the younger players the fight and the determination to know that if they work hard, they'll get there. So, yeah, we have skipped. Uh, Dane Scarlett is making quite a bit of noise. I know, like in the club, hasn't really produced on the field yet, but he's still young. People are hoping maybe a bit of a Greenwood situation. Um, yeah, obviously Tanganga, looking looking promising, and yeah, these players they wouldn't have had a chance before really. Um, like we we would always just yeah loan them out, or just sell them to sub like a oh example Walker Peters. Yeah. I came through, kind of never really given a chance, and then just sold straight away. That was kind of always the model that you'd see with, especially the bigger clubs. But yeah, these days, man, I feel like they have a chance. Everyone has a chance, and uh, it's great for English football as well. That's what exactly I think it's exactly what like the national team needs: is homegrown players. Because that's what and, that's literally again. We're going back to the summer, but for the first time in a long time, Gareth Southgate had literally selection problems coming left, right and centre because whatever team he picked, he'd always upset certain people and saying, oh, you didn't pick this person, this person or this person, which was great. 
Because before you'd be able to name the England starting line over the last six, seven tournaments, I'd say, off the top of your head, because it'd be the yeah, same players playing all the time, players starting all the time, which is great to see as well. Um, but no, just thanks for your conversation about that, because I quite enjoyed that. And this is something that's quite fascinating to me, um, hoping to learn a bit more about that. E triple P, eh? E triple P. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about it because I got my assignment due on Friday. Um, <laughs> by the time the podcast is out, hopefully I've done my research about it. <laughs> no, I've, I've been seeing stuff about, uh, is it Brentford? They, oh, I they have a B team. Their Brent, B the team Brentford yeah. is a lot different than the EPPP because they want to develop players in a different way, which is brilliant. Different different ways of developing is always good. That sounds good. Like They, they give them more opportunities to, to face different style of plays rather than being stuck in an academy and just always playing on nice pitches, etc. Exactly. So it did sound cool from what I was listening to about that. Nice, exciting the way that the youth is developing. Hopefully, yeah, we uh, need a bit of variety as well, and it'll be good to see how these uh, these players actually turn out, which will be good. Um, but no, we'll move on to the the weekend games coming up because obviously it'll be a be a fun weekend for some teams, not so much fun for others. But we'll go. <laughs> We'll go game by game. So Friday, we've got Southampton versus Aston Villa. This will be um, a fun game for me to miss because I'm going to London. So I'm going to be driving there. So I'll probably listen to it on the radio. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, think, I think Aston Villa will win. Southampton have, have done decent the last couple of weeks. Leveramento and Brozier coming through. Che Adams still doing really well. Um, realistically speaking, I think it will be an Aston Villa 1-0 win. But Friday night is an odd game. Odd time they need to win, though, yeah. They need to win, Villa. Yeah, they do. Well, hammered, just... They were literally hammered by West Ham. Uh, yeah, yeah. Four-one the other day. It's quite funny how they imploded. To be fair, Aston Villa. You don't really see them lose their heads, but they lost their heads pretty well. No, like, no, um, like last season they did us in, and they look, they look pretty good. But to yeah. see them yeah, getting smashed up like that, it's and it's been going on like a while now. So. Yeah, they're, they're begging for a winner. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. What do you think about uh, Southampton versus Aston Villa? No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of them games, man. I'll, I'm going to go with Southampton just because Villa looked so whack recently. Yeah, go for it. And then this is probably the... Yeah, I'd say this is the game of the weekend. Um, Saturday... Uh, Man United versus Manchester City at 12.30. Uh, in, in, in a way, I'm glad I didn't get tickets for this because then I've just got nah. to have my day off, so I'm going to enjoy it elsewhere in London. So I'll be able to go back to ends and enjoy a day out, which will be fun. But realistically speaking, Man United against his Manchester City side, objectively speaking, um, I think we can actually win this game because of how Man City performed against Crystal Palace. Mm. Um Realistically speaking, I think we can win. Objectively speaking, Manchester City have it all to play for because they're um, at home today against Club Bruges in the Champions League on the, on the day of recording. They can easily rest some players. It's going to be fun to see how Jack Grealish does against Aaron Wan-Bissaka if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sticks with a back five. And realistically speaking, if Harry Maguire can actually deal with that false nine um, that Manchester City may play against Manchester yeah. United. How do you see this game going, Oli? I think the C need to bounce back after their their, their loss. So I think they're they're gonna give it their all. They don't want to be losing to to United. Uh, what's going on with you guys? So I think they'll respect you though. I'm, I'll go one nil C for that one. No, I, I agree. I think it'll be a man. I think Man United can win, but I think it'll be a Manchester City uh, 
without I think Man- Overkill, without on, I think Manchester City will win. Yeah. I don't think they'll smack you like Liverpool did. So it'll be one of those games that I think Man United will play well, but Man City will just dominate us and run us off the park. It's happened yeah. before against Manchester City at home as well, so it's quite worrying um, for this to happen. Maybe get an early goal or something, and then see just what you guys can play. do. Um, next one we've got is Brentford versus Norwich. So Brentford should win 3-1, three one. I think yeah, Brentford looking looking dangerous. I'm I'm worried to play them. <laughs> I'm not worried about playing Norwich. I wish we could play Norwich oh, every yeah. week. That's it. Man. It's got to be Brentford that one. But Norwich, yeah. they they what, what, what's the stat? They haven't they've lost how many games in the last? If you count their last uh, their last uh, campaign in the Premier League as well, they're all without a win in like. Nearly like 20 games or something. <laughs> That's insane, that is. Yeah, 10 games in, they've drawn two, uh, lost eight, goal difference of minus 22. So they're 20th in the league, which is, which is, I would say it's good to see, but you kind of want a bit of fight back from Norwich. Ironically speaking, if I've said that right now, they'll probably beat Man United when we face them. So that's that's just how it <laughs> is, unfortunately. Um, but no, I think Brentford will win. It'll be an easy win for them. And another easy win coming up, I think, will be Chelsea versus Burnley. So yeah. Stamford Bridge will be looking forward to another 3-4-0 win from Chelsea. Not really looking at anyone besides Liverpool and Man City kind of stopping this Chelsea side at the moment. They're looking very good. Their strength and depth is very, very worrying as an objective. Um, Anyone's having a goal in as well. Like Literally anyone is up for, <laughs> up for getting a goal in that squad. Definitely. No, I, I don't see anyone really stopping Chelsea in, in this side. And it's, it's quite worrying seeing how um, literally, even without a couple of their really big players and their really big strikers and their defenders as well, they can still go out and go for a win. And yesterday they won against Malmo away and it was a tough game for them, but they still came through and they did very well. And unfortunately, it's another team that has a, a, a wealth of ambition to actually succeed and win trophies. Unlike... And like some clubs who are happy with <laughs> mediocrity uh, in their in their side as well, but yeah, Chelsea, I think it will be a free four 0 win. What do you think, Oli? Yeah, no, I agree. If they get an early goal, Burnley are pretty done for, I reckon. Nah, that's all good. That's all okay. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Wolves, three o'clock game. Um, Vieira is doing go, okay. He's doing. I'll okay. go. Yeah, I'll go okay. Palace all day long. Vieira is looking. He could be in for a shout for the England team. He's done very well. Last season, yeah. he was on loan at West Brom and he was barely um, barely making an impact. He's playing more of an attacking midfielder now. Vieira's given him licence to roam forward. Yeah, confident boy as well. You can just see it in him. He's hungry, you know, driven. He's looking good. Just... Another Chelsea academy player, someone who's been loaned out from Chelsea again to actually get some game time and some experience. And it's doing well for him. He's doing really well with it, which is... Yeah. Good to see um, from an England perspective, but bad to see from a Chelsea perspective, which is crazy. <laughs> but now I think Crystal Palace will win this two-one against this Wolverhampton one. Yeah, I'm going with a two-one. Wolves won on Monday against uh, Everton. Their the new lineup of Huang and Jimenez up front is really good, but I think Crystal Palace are just on a hot vein of form. Yeah, but Ever- uh, Everton are looking terrible. Like I, I watched that game. I think I messaged you up during it, and I was like, this looks worse than. Spurs under Mourinho, they just look like they didn't have a clue. So, nah, oh. and Wolves, Wolves looking weak. So, Palace all day long for me, but never know. Never know. Then we've got never Brighton know. versus Newcastle. So, I think uh, Brighton, 
realistically should win this game. Then there's there's talks at the moment of Unai Emery becoming the new manager of Newcastle United uh, in this new ownership under um, this new Saudi group as well. But I think Brighton, before even Unai comes in, it should be a straightforward win for Brighton. Newcastle, 19th in the league. Um, yeah. speaking, I want them to go down because it would be good to see a team that goes down with a billion in the bank or so. And then they just have to Great. rebuild again Great. and again and again. It'll be fun to see. How do you see this game going? Brighton doing well so far this season, Oliver. Yeah, well, I actually watched uh, Brighton-Liverpool. And Brighton, I thought they were written off when that third went in. Mane, that was a... Uh, uh, cancelled for the handball I was like they're done for it's going to be like five and just the strength and resilience to uh, come back from that and they look good and Liverpool were just but I don't know, Liverpool just couldn't handle it leaking goals I guess but they're just looking dangerous up front so it's got yeah Newcastle looking shy even losing to Spurs so for me yeah, 100% bright Nah, it's like you, you kind of wanted their players to kind of leave in January before the Saudi ownership came in because you wanted them to just implode within because Newcastle are a team that I, I'm just there like, they've been in the Premier League too long. I know they've got that pedigree of being a, a big Premier League team once upon a time, but you're just there kind of thinking it's time to go, but they're not going to go because of this, this new ownership. They're going to survive by the skin of their teeth, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we'll move on to Sunday's game. Arsenal versus Watford. I think Arsenal will win this game. Arsenal are looking decent at the moment. They had that amazing game against Leicester. And it's, yeah, really, it's, it's really annoying for me more than you, <laughs> even though you've been first man, that Arsenal are playing some really good football and they demolished Leicester. Uh, there's Brendan Rodgers' well-oiled side. Um, mm-hmm. That amazing save by Ramsdale. Lacazette with a decent finish as well. Realistically speaking, um, Arteta's playing without a bit of fear with this Arsenal side as well. And I think they'll win this game against Watford. And the lack of European football and midweek games will be really good for Arsenal over the course of the season. How do you think this game will go, Oli? Yeah, no, I agree with you. They looked dangerous against Leicester. Like, game started and they were just, it reminded me of uh, when they just smashed us in the first, what, 20 minutes. They just mm-hmm. went crazy. Leicester weren't ready for it. And obviously Leicester are a better team than us. But Arsenal, they even look good in defence. And they didn't even just sit back. That was the worst thing as a Spurs fan to watch. They they were still attacking. I think uh, was it was Bang Yang hit the post as well. Could have made it. Could have made it free. So they, they didn't give up. Yeah, looking dangerous. Uh, Watford, new manager. New to the Premier League. I'd see Arsenal doing them. But, you know, it's Arsenal. So <laughs> they could easily slip up. Maybe a draw. Let's let's go for the the worst question I can ask you. Where do you see Arsenal finishing this season in the Premier League? As you said, like without the without the the European games, I think it is a big benefit for them, especially mm. as they're still like rebuilding, more time to to focus on the tactics. And uh, uh, they always, I think they always have a good run during the season, and then maybe they'll fall off again. But hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I'll go give them sixth. I'll give them sixth. Yeah, sixth, fifth would be good getting them in the Europa League as well, avoiding the Conference League, but fifth, sixth would be their ambition um, for the season at the moment, I would say. Yeah. Everton versus Tottenham. Rafa Benitez versus Antonio Conte in the <laughs> first game. We've just, we've uh-huh. just been discussing early in the podcast how you reckon, how we reckon Spurs will line up. 
and how we reckon Antonio Conte will set up this first side. If it is Antonio Conte, prime Antonio Conte, I don't see Everton winning. I know Benitez has had his ups and downs this season. A couple of injuries for him, which is really unfortunate. Calvert-Loon was on Monday Night Football in uh, Sky Sports in the UK, Oliver. So it's like, is not playing anytime soon. Richarlison has just come back. Digne's out. Mina's out. Um, the Decore's out. So like five of their best players are out. Five of their six best players are out. I don't yeah. know to win. Tottenham can definitely win against this Everton side. I think so. And as I said, just, just, uh, just before Everton looked terrible the last time I saw them. Mm. And with, uh, with the, new, the new fight behind the, the Spurs team, with Conte on the, the sidelines, I think they'll, they'll give, up a, give up a fight. Maybe, I, think, I don't think it'll be an easy win by all means. Maybe scrape a 1-0, 2-1. But um, if it was at if it was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with all the fans there, I think I'd be happy to say we'll win. But as we're away, I just can't really say yet. <laughs> Especially because we have the, the game in the Conference League. Oh yeah, you know yes, people yes. are going to be trying to whoever he plays is going to be trying to imp- like impress him. So if they get tired legs, uh, they kind of forget about the Premier League a bit. Then could be a bit dangerous. Maybe a draw. I don't know. I'm still I, I uh, if there's pessimistic. Any... <laughs> no, I think if there's two teams you want to face in the Premier League this season that you haven't, it's Norwich and it's Everton. Personally, yeah. if, if you're a Spurs and you wanted a new manager to come in and, and stamp think, his authority yeah. down, it's got to be rather Everton or Norwich. But I think you'll win this game. A 1-0 or 2-0 win. 2-1 win, maybe. Rafa out the door. Rafa <laughs> out the door, exactly. Uh, Leeds versus Leicester. So Leeds haven't had the best of forms this season. They won against Norwich um, last weekend as well. So they needed a win. They won against Norwich. Um, Leicester losing to Arsenal. Leicester have the Europa League this week as well. Again, we're we're recording before the Europa League game. But I think Leicester will win this game. I think Leicester will come back into into a bit of form over the next couple of weeks as well. And it'll be good to see how Leicester actually turn up against this Leeds side. Brendan Rodgers versus Marcelo Bielsa. Probably the tactical battle um, of that Sunday, I would say, which would be good to see because um, West Ham versus Liverpool is probably the best game of the weekend, I would say, but that's the next one. But how do you see Leeds versus Leicester going um, for yourself, Holly? No, I'm agreeing with you with that because I think uh, Leicester, I think they had maybe a bit of a wake-up call getting uh, dicked on by Arsenal. So they'll, they'll be wanting to, to pick it back up. Yeah, Leeds, not the best season, but yeah, I think it'll be maybe a close game. But I'll give it to Leicester. I think with, uh, as you said, well oiled the team. I think they'll do them. Maybe close, but yeah. Would you have taken Brendan Rodgers at Spurs? I like. I would have. I would have. But I wouldn't have been. I'd been more excited than Nuno, but I mm. wouldn't have been excited because you know we saw Rodgers at Liverpool. I think he did a great job at Liverpool. Yeah. But, you know, we really need to win something. And I know he, he, he's won the FA Cup. And he, I just don't see him really bringing the, the excitement back to the lane. I think he'd just be like, maybe, yeah, I think he'd be like, a, he'd be a good, good manager, maybe like Pochettino. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Attacking football, exciting football, but not really getting that silverware in. Yeah, but definitely, man, like, it's got to be. Gotta be constantly, gotta be this man here. <laughs> I'm stuck with this guy there, that guy. 
as my manager. Um, but yeah, no, final game of the weekend, West Ham United versus Liverpool. So West Ham, I've been saying for the last month or so, they look like the best team in the league at the moment. It's so fun to watch. <laughs> um, it's, it's really odd saying that for West Ham United with David Moyes as manager, but obviously there are better teams like Chelsea, Liverpool. But for, the, for me, the best team to watch, like I remember coming home from work on Sunday and I was like to my wife, I was like, put the West Ham game on. It's going to be fun. She's like, you don't support West Ham or Aston Villa? <laughs> no, but it's going to be fun. Um, put the game on and it was, what, 4-1? Red card for someone for Aston Villa. I forgot who it was. Courtney Howes, maybe? Conce, no, Conte was Conte. Um, and West Ham just thought they could score for fun. They didn't get out of third, fourth gear. And it's great to see how David Moyes has actually settled in this West Ham side in the Premier League. Ben Johnson, I mentioned the other week, when we're talking about academies, I thought he's a really yeah. good academy prospect. And I think he's going to be a star for West Ham. I think with uh, Kufal out for the time being, Ben Johnson has taken his opportunity the best way possible. They're in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup as well. So that'll be a good That's um, <laughs> that'll be a good um, test for you against Antonio Conte versus David Moyes. But how do you see West Ham playing against this Liverpool side, Oli, for the final game of the weekend coming up? I think that is going to be a, a great game, actually. Um... Obviously, I don't know. I, I don't know if I hate West Ham, but as a Spurs fan, I really want to see them lose a bit of a momentum because they are dripping in confidence. But honestly, <laughs> they are so confident right now, and uh, they could go and get the result. Is that is that the uh, West Ham ground, right? Yeah, at the stadium. stadium. So yeah, man, they'll be up for it. Got all the fans there. Um, Liverpool. They leak goals. Uh, I've just kind of just kind of been seeing that against uh, Brian and hearing people say it that they're not, not looking good stats wise and all that. But West Ham obviously scoring four. I think it's just going to be a great game. But uh, come on, Liverpool! <laughs> Liverpool will win. It's it's just the excitement of David Moyes' West Ham side that I think I'm quite happy to to watch and understand. But. Mohamed Salah is the best player in the league at the moment. There's still conversation about him being a Ballon d'Or contender because of that second half of the um, the year performance that he's doing, which is really good. Obliterated Man United, uh, got an assist against Brighton last week as well. Tonight, he's playing against Atletico Madrid at home. So, yeah. obviously, time of recording, we don't know the result of that. So, we could just be like, oh, yeah, Mo Salah's amazing, but <laughs> or it gets injured tonight, so we don't know what's going to happen. But... I think Liverpool will win this game against West Ham. They have a good head-to-head against West Ham United as well um, over the last couple of games. But it'll be fun to see this this um, this David Moyes side against this uh, Jurgen Klopp side as well. Fun, entertaining, goals all around. 4-2 Liverpool, I predict. That's what I'm going for. Uh, yeah, I'll t- I hope so. I need to see West Ham drop a bit of momentum. That's for sure. Yeah, they'll they'll lose a bit of momentum, but I don't think they'll be di- I don't think they'll be disheartened by losing to Liverpool. No one really would be disheartened to be losing to Liverpool, but I think they'll still come back onto it, which will be good. Yeah. It'll be it'll be good to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, Oli, final question for the week: If there's one player to watch out for on the weekend in the Premier League from all the games we've discussed, who would you want to look out for, or who should the viewers be looking out for? <laughs> That's a good question. Who, who the viewers going to look out for? Um, I think Harry Kane. Obviously, as a Spurs fan, I think uh, he's going to be back. He's going to be scoring got, again. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see a brace. <laughs> I think we're going to 
all the news is going to be talking about Conte and Kane. <laughs> I thought it would have been back against Man United, but clearly that wasn't the case. And um, that change of formation just worked well for, for Man United. But yeah, it will be good to see how Harry Kane does against, against Everton. For me, I think it will be good to see how... Um, I don't know who's going to start for for Man City, but I think I think it'll be it'll be good to see how um, Cancelo does in this in this defense against Manchester United because if they do go for a back five, then we've only got three attackers coming up as well. So it's more along the lines of Ronaldo, Cavani, Bruno, how how he does. So Jao Cancelo is probably my player to watch for this weekend as well. He'll he'll play tonight against Club Bruges, yeah. Club Bruges, but he'll play against uh, Man United as well. He's had a really good start to the season. Yeah. Okay, interesting one. Interesting indeed. Um, but no, thanks for the conversation, Ollie. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, we've changed our provider to Anchor, so we're going to be on Anchor's podcast stream from now on, which will be pretty good to see. Uh, take care. Hopefully I've got my assignment done and dusted by the time I listen to this on Friday. <laughs> good luck with that, man. It needs to be done, needs to be done. Um, but no, take care and goodbye. <laughs>